Thank you for downloading this Brum Radio podcast. For more podcasts, visit brumradio.com. And welcome back to podcast number three Woo-hoo. with me, Laura Arismith, and my beautiful co-host, Sophie Johnson. Why, thank you and hello. <laughs> Today, we are talking all things sustainability. Yeah, really exciting podcast we've got lined up for you today, guys. Um, it's going to be really controversial and lots of debate, as always, as me and Laura have very differing views on sustainability, as you'll hear throughout the um, the next um, era of your time. So today, we have on a very special guest. Uh, Sophie Aldridge from Superdry to talk about sustainability, which is fantastic as part of our Get to Know section. Um, also today, we're going to be talking about the Boohoo scandal in Ooh. the in the know section, which we're really excited to talk about supply chain, fast fashion and sustainability. And finally, we're going to be talking about our Like to Know product this week, which is going to be the new sustainable collection from H&M. And we're going to be talking about all about Cactus leather. Woohoo! So, guys, are you ready for this week's In the Know? It could get very vicious. <laughs> it could get very tense because this is one of my. It's a very healthy debate um, all around fast fashion sustainability. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start this one. I think, Laura, we're, Go we're gonna see. Let's just remember that we are friends. We are good friends. Oh, absolutely. And we can move forward from this. But there are two sides to every story. Absolutely. And we will hear them, and we will <laughs> nod and <laughs> smile and be professional. Go on. So I'm gonna start with Boohoo. Okay, I am wearing Boohoo again today. <laughs> again, not sponsored by Boohoo. There's been a lot in the news in the course of the last kind of six to nine months. Yep. Um, Around Boohoo, factory conditions, supply chain. I will start by saying, absolutely, the brand has responsibility to the workers, to its supply chain, to its consumers, to be delivering a very transparent, a very accountable um, manufacturing and supply chain. I absolutely agree. But they don't do that, well, do they? Okay. So, <laughs> don't interrupt me. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> so, what, what, I, what has really got my bee in my bonnet this week is, is the, the press. And I think this is, again, where my PR head comes in. And this is where I, I really don't like what happens in the media sometimes. So, um, just last week, there was an article in the press about um, US potentially banning um, any, um, any imports um, from Boohoo. So, obviously, uh, if, if we talk about Boohoo as, as the bigger group um, and we're not just thinking about Boohoo as the brand, you know, a, for a pretty little thing, it's been a big part of, of kind of their growth of their brand going over to America and things like that. So, it could be really, really detrimental for the business you know but following kind of this and and my thoughts is that boohoo have had a lot of a lot of backlash and some do not get me wrong i completely agree they they need to be auditing and they need to be responsible as a fast fashion brand but what really really grinds on me is that the whole Laura's looking like really trying so hard to not comment so far <laughs> and letting me speak what really uh. really upsets me is how the media put it all completely on Boohoo, right? So hear me out, Laura Arrowsmith, hear me out. Boohoo use some suppliers, which they do say they audit, okay, in, in factories of Leicester. Do not get me wrong. 
I am all for and absolutely behind worker pay and working conditions. I, you know, it is just it is just terrific. But there's a point where Boohoo cannot be responsible for these suppliers and factories outsourcing things. Okay, this is, we're not talking a small brand and a very small localised supply chain. We are talking a humongous brand that is turning over millions of millions. I mean, a million different dresses, products, t-shirts, loungewear sets, whatever it might be. How can a brand really have complete 100% control <laughs> when suppliers are unknowingly to Boohoo taking manufacturing aspects to other places without Boohoo's permission. Go. Right, let me get my two cents in here because <laughs> I need to have my say. You absolutely and do, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be quiet I, now. I don't support Boohoo, I don't shop at Boohoo because of the sustainability issues, the fact that they rip off independent small brands by replicating their designs. And I feel like them as a brand they have they will have a team that they that look after their suppliers they will have an auditing team that will go out to the suppliers to make sure that everything's ethical that workers are getting paid fairly that they get they get they're working in the right conditions um they're getting breaks everything gender equality all of those things and yes you're saying that you know, it's not Boohoo's fault that they outsource. Well, actually it is, because if I was going to manufacture a product, if I was going to own my own brand, I would make sure that I knew everything from start to finish. Yes, they are a big brand. Yes, they have a lot of products going in and out, but it doesn't matter. The bigger the brand, the bigger the team, and that needs to be audited. So the fact that they haven't done that is only Boohoo's fault. I do agree that, you know, bigger the brand, bigger the team. And, you know, do not get me wrong, they need to invest more time in it. And there's, you know, I think it's so, so important. But they won't because that means more money and they don't want to spend the money because they sell dresses at like £3. Yes, well, that's arguably what could happen. But, you know, I really do think that this, this is... A, like they're leading by example now. They have to lead by example. Yeah, they so, do now because they're being they're being monitored. They're being watched. No, the press is on their yeah. back, looking at what they're doing, where they're outsourcing, what suppliers they are doing. They're going to have people just randomly going into the manufacturing to check um, their sourcing. And so where they should absolutely. So but why should. wasn't implemented in the first but place? But what I want to what my, my point is. Do not get me wrong. Boohoo deserve ninety nine percent of the blame. I'm not saying that. Like, I really do truly agree with everything you're saying. But there's that one little percent where they cannot completely control if a certain supplier they use outsources to X, Y, Z and all these other suppliers and Boo who has no knowledge. So there needs to be a little bit of, of emphasis on the suppliers themselves. But the supplier still needs to communicate. There should be that conversation. Absolutely. The suppliers telling Boohoo, this is what's happening. But what if the suppliers aren't? Which is very well seen should be going to them saying, well, where... I want to audit where you're getting the buttons, the zips, the fabric. I want to know where everything is from so I can trace its carbon footprint and the background and the life cycle of this product. Absolutely, and I more than agree with that. But suppliers can also be really crafty and will also want to make as much profit out of that product as well for themselves, which absolutely right. So suppliers are a business. So they're going to send stuff where they can, they can you know, make more money and send stuff. And, and that's just my point is that sometimes in these instances, the, the most juicy media-prone name they can think of, in this case, Boohoo, will get 
the 100% of the backlash. And that's what bothers me. You know, how many other factories or brands are using these factories? I don't think Boohoo would have cared if they weren't caught. I really don't. I don't. You I know just what? don't think. I think Look, just... I'll take that. I will absolutely take that. And I would not defend them because, I, 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 like I said, I'm 99% behind the fact that they need to do more. And fast fashion brands with the amount of waste and all these things, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get onto all of that, do need to be better. And Primark have done a fantastic, fantastic job of this. And, you know, unfortunately, but they did they've get had to out. because of the Rana Plaza. Yes. That's the thing. Okay. They've had to make yes. these changes, they've had to implement policies. Because they would lose a customer following. Absolutely. And I just want to actually revisit, because I think Rana Plaza just does just um, help get my point across a little bit better. Because there was numerous, there was dozens of brands involved in Rana Plaza. Yeah, it wasn't but just what, Primark. what was the one name that across 90% of the media we saw Primark? What about Edinburgh, Edinburgh Wool? What about Mango? What about Matalan? What about all the other brands that barely got away yeah, they got away with a scratch on their yeah, business. I think they were scorned because they are the fast fashion retailer, which already has that negative footprint, I guess. I mean, yeah. clothing production since 2002 has doubled. If we look at how much clothing goes into landfill, it's the equivalent of one garbage truck every second. That's you mad. know. 85% of textiles go to landfill, and that is mainly because of fast fashion retailers. They have got that negative, you know... Absolutely. absolutely. It follows them, doesn't it? And it does follow yeah. them. And it is good, and it's amazing to see what brands can do. Um, I mean, I am a you know big advocate, as you know, for fast fashion. Um, I love a bargain. But I, what I will say, and I suppose I don't necessarily consider myself a sustainable consumer, but I think that is because I don't buy sustainably. I don't want, I don't buy into, maybe, I probably don't buy into sustainable product because, not because I don't care, because it's too expensive. I, uh, I can't say that I'm fully, I can't say that, you know, I... She's wearing H&M. I am wearing H&M and I love Zara, I love Mango, that's fine. So I, you know, I can't say that... I'm a huge sustainable advocate. I just believe that brands should do better. They and should. I also am conscious of the garments that I buy and what they're made up of. You know, if we take polyester, for example, it's it's estimated in 60% of our garments, producing polyester releases two or three times more carbon emissions than cotton, and polyester does not break down in the ocean. And the majority of fast fashion products are polyester, so they are they have got that detrimental impact on the environment, and that's what I want brands to change. And you know what? I read a really interesting article, I think I sent it to you last week, Law, about um, polyester. Obviously, they've been doing lots of COVID testing around um, the, the fabrics that uh, coronavirus transfers on, and actually polyester was one of the highest fabrics that allows the transfer of um, coronavirus just a slightly different tangent but I do think wow that is probably 95% of my wardrobe is probably polyester from from all the brands that I buy into which I just thought you know slight tangent as I said but um very interesting that is interesting and concerning as well it is yeah it is but, uh, it's attaching onto these cheaper fabrics and products but at the same time it's not just polyester it's the chemicals and dyes that brands use I mean I read a really interesting article of the day and it said that certain chemical substance, substances contain in pajamas could be found in a child's urine five days after wearing those pajamas so they're saying that when you buy new clothing make sure you wash them because your body is absorbing those chemicals um so i thought that was really interesting um i watched a documentary years in years ago about coca-cola and it was saying the impact coca-cola production has on 
on local villages where it's sourced. To produce one litre of Coca-Cola, it takes three litres of water. Just going to say that I'm sat in <laughs> With a cherry Coke. Cherry Coca-Cola. But it's things like that I just don't think consumers realise when they purchase into stuff. Um, the impact that it's having. But I think you can say that about anything. Yeah. Now, everything that we do has some kind of impact. Absolutely. I mean, if we look at everything that's happened um, within COVID, you know, the waters in Venice are starting to clear. Um, there's less carbon footprint there's less pollution all these things because everything that we're doing is impacting and I think that's really sad so I, I'm not saying everyone has to live sustainable because I certainly don't I can't you know I can't say that I do but I think it's important that people understand the impact that they are having on others yeah absolutely and I think that leads on really nicely to um to kind of the end use of product so uh i'm going back to what i was saying about the fact i don't i don't consider myself a sustainable consumer you said law you don't necessarily either no but we are looking for that bit of demand and and a bit of um you know what brands are doing about you know their bigger impact and i think but you know from my perspective yes i buy a lot of fast fashion i buy a lot of cheap clothing um what i think makes me sustainable which we i've really thought about in this kind of running up to recording this podcast is actually i never chuck things away the only time a piece of clothing will go in the bin and go to landfill from from me is when it's damaged and it's it's fallen apart which Which fast fashion products tend to do more so yeah sometimes um but i will honestly i will probably say that 98 percent of my clothing goes in charity bags it goes um i love a car boot oh my god i cannot wait till i've never done one love a car boot it's so much fun i mean it's really not fun when you're getting up at like 5 a.m um but you know I, i do car boots i do a lot of ebay facebook marketplace so i do consider myself sustainable well, I suppose I didn't until today, but when you, when you flip it and think about it... It's giving it, a product an afterlife, isn't it? Which yeah. I think is what everyone needs to do. However, because of COVID, we haven't had people collecting clothing. You can't go and drop things off at charity shops. So mm. I think it's made it harder. But I also read that more people are buying secondhand because clothing stores are closed, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting because obviously it has been a boom in secondhand clothing, especially designer recently. Yeah. Um I, I would buy secondhand clothing. I would buy vintage. I, you know, love having, you know, unique one-off pieces. I think that's fantastic. So, you know, I will pat you on the back that you do give your Why, fast you. fashion clothing a second life. And I think that's what everyone should be considering. Yeah, I think it's looking... I think as a consumer, it's everyone looking at themselves and looking at what they can do. And if that's something that, you know, I feel really bad, you know, when we have these conversations and we're talking about Boohoo and I'm sat here in Boohoo. And like I said, I don't don't want to come across wrong when we're having this conversation that I um, am an advocate for Boohoo in terms of what they've done. And I completely agree they need to be held responsible. But it does make me feel better to think at least the end use of my product um is, is yeah, not having it's got a longer life. that negative but i think just going back to the the, the conversation and, and and what started this this debate with this law is, is boohoo being at the at the center of it and i just think it's the problem sometimes is the media and i think absolutely it, it really does not help i mean i think if you look at social media we're very much in that thing where, oh, if you're seen wearing something twice, it's frowned upon. Think of all the celebrities. The first one I can think of is Kate Middleton. If she's seen wearing something twice, the media absolutely slay her. Oh, she's we've seen her in that before. Well, so what? I think it's brilliant that she's wearing something twice. I think it's good to see people wear something more than once. Yeah, and I think I think lockdown has definitely changed that as well, um, and and has, has changed our shopping habits. So I'm, I'm just I am hoping, and it's nice to see like influencers that are 
re-wearing and talking about Definitely. older products and stuff like that. I don't, I do, I do feel, I'm going back to our age now, Laura, I'm really sorry. I do feel since I've kind of come into my 30s that I have had to take a step away from certain brands. I don't know if that's just a bit of... Oh, me too. Absolutely. Um, you know, sometimes I'm on Pretty Little Thing, like I've really got into my running and stuff like that. Um, and Pretty Little Thing have like a fantastic sport collection. I love it all, but I'm like... Am I going to look ridiculous running down the street, doing my 5K in Pretty Little Thing? I'm 31. Um, and again, going off on a slight tangent there, but, you know, I think... So I think what's really important is to focus on kind of the generations coming through that are going to be shopping yes, these yeah. brands. And it's re- it is really great to see that... Um, Jen said, you know, are being labelled as this activist generation. You know, we're more sort of our students. conscious. Yeah, absolutely. Want to make an impact. Yeah. And some sure. of our students fit this. And what's been really, really interesting, especially I've been working a lot with my third year students, is a lot of their dissertations are around around the impact of this and questioning brands and holding brands accountable for things. And it's quite refreshing to see you know these these are people that are going to go into industry very very soon make the changes and, and make those changes um because i think as maybe we slash i grow up a little bit more maybe my fashion sense will change or i maybe won't buy into as much fast fashion even though i really love a bargain um i also really love uh, i say charity shopping um I'm going to mention a brand that's quite local to me, the New Life Centre. Oh, I've got to take Laura there I one day. I do really want to go, definitely. Oh, New Life Centre is amazing. If you live um, in the kind of Staffordshire, Cannock area, New Life Centre is fantastic. Uh, it's a charity. It's basically this huge warehouse that works with... Um, works with loads of different brands and new life receive all their their sales stock their faulties their you know i don't know all these other lines and you go oh my god it's like tk maxx but like <laughs> the tenth of the price and i love a bit of tk maxx as well um so actually when i think about that like charity shopping and that's stuff like brilliant. that yeah that's good you need to come law it's absolutely no, amazing you tell me as soon as it's open i am there <laughs> it is amazing i'm not so. gonna lie I, I love a bargain it's not like i i don't buy expensive stuff but i've definitely noticed since i've got older i'm less trend aware and i don't me buy too. into trends yeah. and i think that's probably why i don't tend to shop at fast fashion retailers because it's very reactive in terms of what celebrities are wearing mm-hmm. um and you know i can't wear crop tops absolutely I not. Can't. Well, I'm not saying you can't i just can't either cheers, cheers <laughs> cheers Rude. um so it's just not for me so i think as you get older your opinion on you know you're more comfortable in your own skin and i think that links really well with our next podcast um with holly race where we talk about um, women empowerment and, and accepting yourself and being comfortable in your own skin. Um, so we'll get on to that um, later on. Yeah, but I think I just want to finish off by saying, you know, um, Boohoo have got work to do and it's going to be really, really interesting. But I think one thing that has saved Boohoo is is its brand community. Yes, and, definitely. Um, and this is where one of the positives, you know, they're holding their hands up, they're, they're talking about the mistakes and they're going to move forward. And I just hope that then kind of leads on to... to give other brands a, a bit of a, a bit of a scare really and, and and to learn from that but i think as i said i just i just wish and i think it's very much the media because you read the headlines boohoo working conditions boohoo Leicester factories and it is definitely the media in getting engaged but within with any within any organizational setting we have stakeholders and sometimes the stakeholders need to be held accountable as well absolutely um, yeah, 100% agree I mean, it can be really detrimental to a brand what the media say. And, you know, 
I'm not slating Boohoo. There's so many other brands. It's just the fact that they've been very heavily um, mentioned in the media to do with what's happened in Leicester recently. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see the movement, to see how brands are starting to adjust and understand that the consumers want transparency. Absolutely. And they will call brands out. Yeah. They absolutely will call brands out. And they should call brands out. So, you know, it'd be really interesting, you know, in three, six months' time to see what Boohoo do, how they adapt, and also how other brands follow suit. Because thing is now with, you know, social media and things like that, these things don't get forgotten. You know, consumers are looking for brands to make mistakes, aren't they? They can't. Of course, they are. And the media, like moguls, just waiting to grab anything they can. Um, So yeah, I think it'll be really interesting. I'm sure we'll come back to this debate at some point. But I think that wasn't too bad, though. We didn't fall out. No, I'm quite surprised. Well done. Wasn't as vicious as I expected. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we'd love to welcome our guest. Sophie Aldridge today. Um, Sophie works for Superdry, who has most recently won the Positive Change Award, um, courtesy of Draper's uh, Sustainability Fashion Awards. So a really fantastic guest to be having on the podcast this week as sustainability is our key theme. So welcome, Sophie. How are you? Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm well. Thank you. Are you both well? We're good. Thanks, Soph. Yeah. We're so excited to have you on. Thank you for taking the time out to talk to us. Yeah, we found no, it was really. Fine. We found it was really important to have a um, someone on from a brand that uh, you know with the theme of the podcast that has really got sustainability at the forefront, and I know it's a big part of of your role uh, and what you do. Um, so, did you just want to yeah. tell our lovely listeners about you and your role at Superdry? Yes, yeah, sure. So, I'm currently working at an entry level role within the merchandising department, and I've been with the company just over a year now. And it was about six months in, we were given the opportunity for someone within merchandising to represent the department as a sustainability warrior. And what this is, is for Superdry, they've got a team of sustainability warriors that are combined of head office and retail staff. And we kind of help in the supporting of delivering global sustainability initiatives. Um, so when when this opportunity came up, I put myself forward and really was so pleased that I was picked to go forward and be the representative for amazing. the merchandising department. I love that you're called so, a warrior. That is amazing. Yes, I know. Yes, I know. I think they, they take it very seriously. And we've got like a little emblem logo on, on our workplace um, platform. You need branded T-shirts or something, don't you? Well, yeah. When Actually, <laughs> when we return to the office um, very briefly when we could I think it's about October time we had a sustainability welcome back kit for everyone and it was kind of love you know reusable totes reusable coffee cups reusable masks all those kind of great sustainable alternatives to those disposable things um so yeah so about I think it's once once a month currently we have a big sustainability call where it's an update on the past month's kind of progress or any news clippings anything like that and then we just have opportunity to put forward our ideas and just work collaboratively as a, a team of sustainability warriors and help super dry um meet their targets and uh, accomplish their mission that's incredible i love this i didn't realize that well i guess they're sustainable throughout everything that they do in all their practices from head office through to what they deliver in store and to their consumers so that is brilliant yeah um it actually leads me on really well to my first question is how do you think that retailers can adapt and be more sustainable is there anything that you think the industry could maybe do better or adjust 
I think Superdry have a really good way of looking at this because I think sometimes sustainability as a consumer as well, you can just think it is what is a product made of. Um, but the way we deal with sustainability at Superdry is we deal with it. We look at three pillars. So we look at the product, um, the people involved in our supply chain and the planet, so the impact we have on our planet. Um, and I think to be truly sustainable as a brand, you need to be looking at all three of those areas, at least as a minimum, um, to be able to even say we're making sustainability efforts or we are a sustainable brand. And I think with the Drapers Award, it's really good to see that Superdry, whilst it wasn't a brand that was founded originally on sustainable values, there's plenty of opportunity as you evolve as a brand to become more sustainable and, and be recognised for being sustainable, even if you weren't originally uh, founded on those values. Um, I love that so, Soph, actually. That uh, we've um, in our last podcast, we had a fantastic interview with the founders of, of Loungewear at uh, Lounge Underwear. Yes, sorry, um, yes. and they were fantastic. And they were saying about the fact that now their that sustainability really is at the core of their brand. So it's really nice yeah. to see how brands like Superdry maybe that wasn't at their core focus at first, but are now adapting to that. Um, yeah, I think Lounge have done it so well. I know that their their packaging's recycled, and they launched their bamboo yes uh, range, didn't they? I've yeah. I've keep up with lounge quite a lot I think that's a really good example like you say yeah of a brand who you know originally we are they, they would have launched as being you know trend driven and you know really current and uh, popular but they've also incorporated sustainability and it's really good to have those big brands that are desirable brands yeah absolutely um, incorporate that because then it makes it a bit more glamorous as it makes it a bit more um attractive to talk about sustainability and not so uh corporate I guess for sure I guess maybe like five ten years ago it wasn't as maybe fashionable to talk about sustainability and clothes weren't very sustainable or recyclable yeah. where now I feel like consumers really value transparency um so I think yes. that's really important um so I love that um super dry are very open and honest aren't they about um the suppliers that they use where are things made how things are made um yeah and the recyclable this... materials so do you want to tell us a little bit more about that yeah, so it's really fantastic, particularly for our Autumn into 20 reset. We had kind of an overall brand reset that's to kind of rejuvenate the brand and bring new consumers in. And for in terms of sustainability, it was a real movement forward for us, really accelerated our journey because looking at the product in Autumn into 20, particularly jackets and outerwear, um, our jackets were filled with 100% recycled down. That was um, recycled plastic bottles. We had um, organic cotton underwear, accessories, so socks, scarves, gloves. Um, and just we really are trying to boost that organic and recycled materials. And I know that on the area I work on, so I work on men's t-shirts and tops. Uh, we were the first area to have, you know, a hundred percent organic t-shirt range. Uh -huh. So we're making really good steps forward, and I think they're only going to be accelerating. But for Autumn Winter Twenty, it was a real drive for recycled materials, organic materials, Love. and just even like down to the fine details, like point of sale in store, making sure that that all was recycled cardboard and that reducing our plastic waste we got new econ bags that are now home recyclable we've got new store bags that are much less heavy duty i think the old ones were a bit um over engineered they had a little too much going on when really we've gone to a recycled bag so we're really kind of cutting down on our waste reducing our impact and we want people to know about it we're using our social channels to to shout about this um and hold ourselves accountable i think we we've said that for an upcoming campaign for us which is called um 
the truth about it's it's about saying you know we're not perfect and we're making these steps and we're just going to be honest with you and show our journey and document our journey and we're fine to share all the details of our journey with us we're being very transparent very honest you can track our supply chain from from the factories right down to our stores and we want to take you along that journey and that we're only ever evolving um and as a brand that wasn't founded on sustainable values we're making these efforts and you know we're inviting the consumer to come along on that journey with us that's amazing it, it's really lovely to see a, a brand leading the way and recognizing where where they can do more and to build on that yeah definitely i mean yeah. in terms of transparency one brand that i think has been well has been around for years is everlane which is obviously an american brand and they're fantastic in mm. terms of transparency but i didn't really see so much happening in the uk so i feel like the fact mm. that super dry are doing this they're almost at the forefront and and a leader is is brilliant so i'm hoping that more brands are going to mm. follow suit now on the high street and will welcome more transparency yeah definitely i think it's a, a sign of the times as well i think there's um a rise in holding people and brands accountable and kind of fueled by that, uh, I suppose you could say cancel culture in terms of, you know, wanting to know exactly what people have done and how they're For sure. regulated and I think that's been only fueled by the pandemic and safety concerns for workers as mm-hmm. we might touch on later but um, definitely I think more than ever now people want people to be held accountable and they want to know what's going on behind closed doors and with social media it's so easy now to give behind the scenes and I think that's a really great thing with in terms of transparency that I've seen various brands doing um, behind the scenes like uh, team takeovers where they take you behind the scenes of their brand or behind the scenes in factories just giving that extra view to the consumer so they're able to to make a bit of a clearer picture about a brand and decide if they want to uh, support that brand yeah i think after the rana plaza happened um it was so destructive and heartbreaking that brands really started to take note um change their policies look after their workers ensure they have Mm. a corporate social responsibility um put in place so i think that's so important and i think it's it's more valued to a consumer um that the products that they are buying are from factories of people that are looked after that everything's biodegradable um and i think touching on what you said about um the social media and, and looking at things behind behind the scenes i think me especially i connect more with a brand if i find them if they're if they humanize themselves yes definitely i i I even think of there was um, an example of a brand who did a behind the scenes in their in their factories where they they showed the workers and i think at the time they had claimed that their factory was in hong kong um but eagle-eyed followers could spot on the sewing machines people were using the language and that it said exactly where the where the factory was and I don't think they'd been 100% accurate about what they'd said Mm. so I think you know there's really minute details that people can pick up on now and these behind the scenes can you know they can expose everything and I know there's been quite a few documentaries on the industry hasn't there kind of within the past 12 months that you know, it gives people the opportunity to pick apart brands and to to pull them up on things that they're not maybe being 100% um, transparent about. So that's that's scary because some of these brands are doing these things to to try and be more yeah. transparent and more accountable and to put themselves publicly in a position to, to you know, hopefully use social media for the positive mm-hmm. impact of their brand, but actually not thinking things through and, and, and it actually becomes detrimental. It's really, it is so difficult for brands nowadays to put themselves out on these platforms. They're trying to 
look accountable and look transparent. And actually, like you said, it, it can be more damaging. It can backfire completely. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of my qualms with the the difference between fast fashion and sustainable fashion is that I think I feel as if sustainable brands are almost held to a higher account despite being the ones who are taking the steps and making those positive yeah. changes. I mm-hmm. feel like they're scrutinised far beyond a fast fashion brand when we know that the, the efforts behind there might be minimal or that. might not be sufficient. But then these sustainable brands who are trying to, like you say, share these um, behind the scenes or try to be more transparent. It's almost like you're opening yourself up to that further scrutiny yeah. and you can get yeah more... more um, more under the spotlight if, if if you're sharing which i think is a shame yeah i don't think i don't think any brand is perfect but i think as long as mm. brands are trying to you know they're striving to be better that's all we can ask yeah. you know everyone's learning everyone is growing everyone's trying to you know stay afloat especially in the current circumstances so you know i just champion any brand that's considering being and acting being more sustainable and transparent yeah, and it's doing it yeah. for the right reasons, isn't it? Like, yeah. and, and doing it because, like you said, like Superdry genuinely care and are genuinely saying, yeah, we're not perfect, but we're going to try and make that change. It's And it's doing it from that genuine place as opposed to trying to do it and trying to do it for, um, to be publicly, you know, to use it almost as for, for marketing. There is a whole conversation to be had around how brands use it purely for a marketing spiel to get their consumers involved, but actually under it all, they're not that transparent. So, um, and that's when things can, can go wrong, like yeah. you said. Um, I mean, I, think, I know we're striving, I sorry, Steph, I know we're striving to meet um, the United Nations 17 SDGs um, by 2030. So I think it's really important to understand that we look at those and think, how are we making sure that there is gender equality, that um, the workers are being paid fairly, that everything on land and sea, um, there's no detriment to that. So um, I definitely feel that Superdry are working towards that because I think you said that you've tried to be um, as sustainable as possible by 2030. Is that correct? Yeah. So it was the mission statement from Julian the Seat, like the founder, um, was that it would be we would be the most sustainable fashion brand globally by 2030. Wow. But even advancements since then, that statement could have only been said a few months ago. We've even tried to push forward on bringing things forward. Amazing. Um, I think. I think the cotton, organic cotton, I think that's supposed to be 2025 to be entirely organic. Love um, that. So, so we've, we've, we've set this ambitious goal, but I think over time we're trying to, if, if we can achieve something sooner, that's, that's the goal because I think there's a real drive at Superdry to, to be these leaders and to, um, to spearhead this, this movement as much as they can. Um, there's a lot of ambition there. So I think if we can do anything sooner than we've than 2030, I think they'll definitely jump at the chance to um, as quick as we can in terms of uh, obviously a lot of these sustainable changes take a lot of time to uh, yeah to perfect. You know these things you have to source things from places you've never you've never explored before. But I think if we can bring it forward, we definitely are trying to do anything as soon as we can. That is amazing. I mean, so if you've already touched on this in a big part of our podcast today, so we're going to be talking about uh, the Boohoo scandal and just kind of generally about um, sustainability um, in the fast fashion um, sector in particular. Um, so what do you think of fast fashion personally? So, yeah, I've got a lot of thoughts about fast fashion, but I think firstly, I definitely think that there is always going to be a need for accessible, affordable fashion. Sophie. And I think... Yes. 
Me so yes, I, I think it is a hundred percent so so important that everyone is able to access affordable fashion. Um, and I don't think there is any, you know, there should be no discrimination to anyone um, who who can only who their only option is fast fashion. Um, and I think that is that is a it's like it is hard because you I want people to my personal opinion is that I would like in an ideal world people to avoid fast fashion as much as they can but that is within reason I'm not saying steer clear of it 100% but I think if you can limit it it is amazing what one person can do and what we could all do together because I think of for an example I've got a friend who's very very petite and she struggles to find uh, clothes that fit her outside of fast fashion because fast fashion caters to such a wide audience of people and those size ranges can be so varied you know you can have a four you can have a six whereas in some sustainable brands they really don't cater to the smaller mm. sizes or the larger sizes so I think there is definitely a need for the accessibility of fast fashion the affordability of fast fashion the convenience of fast fashion um, but I do think there is a moral obligation for the fast fashion brands to be educating consumers more uh, to take the time to ensure that their factories their supply chain is audited and that i think over time i'm hoping that more legislation will come in place that will monitor these brands more closely and make sure that any kind of uh, any kind of problems that we've seen previously won't happen again any kind of scandals in the industry yeah absolutely I think auditing is such a key part. I know that Superdry, that is something we really pride ourselves on, having that um, really, really perfected, making sure that we know that we are abiding by the standards that we are set out to follow and that, you know, we we make sure that we are following exactly the legal requirements of a brand, making sure we're completely audited and making sure that we are following guidelines. So that could be chemicals. Uh, we have a, um, we need to follow the chemical compliance just to make sure that there's no ha hazardous chemicals in our product. So there's many kind of regulations that you need to be following. And I think it should be expected that even fast fashion brands should be following these guidelines to make sure that they are safe, uh, their products safe for consumers, that their supply chain is as harmless as it can be and that their workers are cared for. So I think I want sustainable fashion to be effectively the new normal, but I also appreciate that we need to be accessible, we need to be affordable, but that doesn't mean that, that those fast fashion brands can't take it upon themselves to do further education and to, to learn and better themselves, because I think there's lots of areas for them mm. to, to take accountability and better themselves. Yeah, I love that. So I think that's actually a really nice balanced view. And I think that, that you know, to see things from lots of different angles, like you said, there's a need for all these different types of fashion. And, you know, with the news around Boohoo in particular in the press, I think it is going to bring this issue to light for other fast fashion brands as well. For sure. And, and yeah. look at how they, they need to learn from Boohoo's mistakes. It's a shame that it's Definitely. had to happen because we've already had the, you know, Primark were very much held accountable mm. as that very key brand in the Rana Plaza um, collapse. And, you know, Primark have strived and done so, so well in their sustainability and they're very, very transparent and they've brought all this auditing in, as and you say. they've got say. a sustainability collection now, haven't they, in store? Yeah. yeah. So it is really good I to think, see. Yeah, it's. I think... The, on the flip side, it's also, it was, I think for me, it was quite a struggle to see how how people in this 
her people in the UK, we we reacted to the the boohoo scandals and the factories in Leicester, and I think it it pointed out to me how we are more outraged when we see it happening within our own country. And I think yeah. I wish that energy was kind of mirrored Globally. when it can't. Yeah, I think it was a bit of an eye opener for me um, to see people outraged who I who I would um, can, you know, ed- educatedly guess so that they do shop at Boohoo or, you know, they have expressed that they shop at Boohoo before um, to see outrage. And I think you know, I wish that was translated across across the globe and uh, not just when it's on your doorstep. Absolutely. That's really important. Well, thank you so much, Soph. You've thank made you some Sophie. really lovely contributions today. It's really nice to hear really balanced views. It's really fantastic to hear about what Superdry are doing. And I'm so glad that you are a warrior. Can we be warriors too? <laughs> Oh yes, you absolutely can. The more yes. the merrier. Yes, They're, right. Uh, they are. <laughs> I can't wait to get my people. t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous! Thank yes. you so so much, Sophie, for coming on. We hope to speak to you soon. Take care, Sophie. You're so welcome. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay, so in line with what we were talking about with Superdrive regarding sustainability, we wanted to mention the innovative brand. I think. And I could be completely wrong. It's a Mexican-based brand, and I think they're called Deserto. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how it reads. That's how it spells. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's a bit like Udi Udi all over again. Who knows? Um, I've actually been following this brand for quite some time. I picked them up last year when I was going to a conference with a colleague in London, um, and they produce cactus leather, mm-hmm. based in Mexico, as I just said. Um, but they have actually partnered with H&M, which I think is absolutely massive and amazing for them. So, you know, H&M are really innovative at the moment. We've spoken about um, H&M Lab and what they're doing. Um, But what they're doing is they're creating a concept called Innovation Stories. And what they're essentially doing is talking about various brands they're partnering with and creating these collections, which I think is absolutely fantastic. You're not so keen. You're not going to run out and buy it. I mean, I think it's a great idea. Do not get me wrong. And there's obviously a customer for it. And I love that. But, you know, as you know, for me, it's just not like you say cactus leather. And I'm like, you know, unfortunately, I'm like, and what? Like, But you're not, I guess you're not so bothered about, like, I'm vegetarian I do still buy leather goods, um, which is probably wrong, but I think it's really interesting the amount that it takes to create a leather product. You know, obviously you've got cows that create lots of methane, which has a huge environmental impact. Um, And we're starting to see people create alternatives like mushroom leather, apple leather. What? We've got synthetic leather, but obviously that's... um, ...produced by PET, so it's really damaging for the environment in terms that it's not by degradable where of course cactus leather mushroom leather all these different types of leather alternatives are so I'm fully behind this I can't say that I'm gonna rush out to buy it because I never do when H&M collaborate with designers it's never really my thing mm-hmm. um but I think if the product's nice yeah I'll definitely go for it so that's interesting I mean oh, H&M oh, love them do not get me wrong I'm a H&M customer I'd openly buy from H&M but I do feel with H&M, yes, I, I, I do think, you know, that they've had their conscious collection for a very long time. They've yeah. really pushed that and now they're developing and pushing this further. But a large percentage of their brand is still fast fashion. And if we look at H&M as a, as a bigger company and we look at all, all the brands that fall under the H&M group. Um, yeah, cause Co- Exactly. And other stories. Monkey, Arquette. Although some of those yeah. aren't also 
necessarily sustainable. Fast fashion still mm-hmm. makes up a big part of their business. So I'm like, oh, absolutely. But I think it's good. Them. I think it's good that they're trying to expand. I mean, of course, like Sophie said, they're trying to be 100% um, sustainable and blah, 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 which I think is fantastic. So, you know, I think it's good that they're trying. They're implementing these things. And it's, you know, we're very easy, like Sophie said, to criticise brands that are doing something more so than not doing enough. So this is a really good step forward. So I'm I'm fully back. I'm all for it. I love yeah. it. I, yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see, as you said, it's part of a um, innovation stories concept. Yeah. So there's going to be further stories to follow. We've talked before about their cuddle jacket and the way they're using technology. Yeah, I, you know, you know me, you know my thoughts on sustainability and kind of marketing product through sustainability is it genuine is it not you know my thoughts on fast fashion i'm a big fast fashion follower um but yeah i, I you know you said hats off to h&m for, for giving something to go yeah. it'd be interesting to see what else they do at least they're uh, a brand you know if you compare it to a brand like Topshop, who just didn't move forward haven't done anything in terms of their e-commerce in terms of sustainability in terms of technology and have sat there at least they're innovating and at least they're you know they're pushing forward yeah, and, and trying that, to do something that's why i back it i mean I wrote that article for iNewspaper a couple, maybe last year, and it was about how Chanel, and I love Chanel, you know, I yes. absolutely would love <laughs> 2.55, anyone wants to uh, donate to the Laura Arrowsmith Charity Fund uh, to <laughs> get me a Chanel, that's another story, because I did actually t- take out um, a savings account when I was like 18 to save for one, but that never actually happened, because life, you know, I but Chanel, one of the last designers to fully... Um, ban fur they were still using it on the catwalk they had loads of negative press about it and i think it was really disappointing considering they've been one of the you know originals um they lacked that but this deserto if that's how you correctly pronounce it they are actually teaming up with carl lagerfield as well to create an eco-friendly accessories line um which i think is fantastic however it's the same discussion that we we are going to have later on about are brands doing it to be seen doing it or do they generally want to do it i kind of feel like because chanel one of the last ones to ban fur they've almost got to do something right that's media worthy that's going to get um people back on board with the brand Mm -hmm. yeah i know i completely agree and i think it is it's very good for brands uh in the luxury sector and maybe some of the corner kind of more mass market premium end of, of the fashion sector to to be involved with this but i don't think you know all these cactus leathers and all these different you know it's expensive to produce it's not cheap it's i don't see how it ever it's how, how it's ever sorry going to fall in line with the fast fashion model and how it's going to make it work so maybe not fast fashion but standard high street maybe i mean i don't yeah. necessarily think of h&m as fast fashion um but i think people are willingly wanting to pay a little bit more for the conscious collection i mean i like I'm some not. of their stuff yeah you're not. <laughs> i'm just so not but i'm a bargain is... hunter <laughs> you are yeah absolutely but maybe we can change your mind i mean people have been trying to change my mind for a very long time i'm still sat here in boohoo.com <laughs> not sponsored by boohoo.com and i'm sat here in h&m <laughs> hey <laughs> Well, that's it for another podcast. Lots of lovely, healthy debate, not too intense. I think we did all right, Laura. Thank you so much to Sophie from Superdry to join us today and to talk all about sustainability. Next week, oh, we have a very special guest and that is Holly from Holly's Look. Really can't wait to speak to her. We're going to be talking all things fashion, marketing, communication, and also a little bit of female empowerment. See you next week, guys. Bye, thank you.
Please don't forget you can listen to this episode and lots of other Brum Radio podcasts on the Brum Radio podcast channel at brumradio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you've enjoyed this podcast today, don't forget to rate and review us. We would really love your support and feedback. Also make sure you subscribe or follow us so the next episode of The Fashademics gets to you automatically. You can also find us on Instagram at Fashademics. I'm really nervous again. Oh my god, I got the fear. Palms sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. You got bum in your sweater already. Mom's forgetting, you get nervous. <laughs> but you keep on forgetting. What was it? I don't know. Thank you for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on your podcast app.